Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Diecast Movie Podcast, where we do interviews and we also do movies that are just where the genre is decided by a roll of a die, and then we pick the movie that we want to do from that genre. Today, I'm interviewing David The Rock Nelson, a fixture of Monster Bash. I'm going to be seeing him at Monster Bash from October 14th to the 16th of 2022 at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've seen David many times, and he's a, like I said, he is a fixture there. He's an interesting person. If you're ever there at the bash, he carries around with him this rubber devil ant, and he likes to he'll ask you if you want to participate, and they'll throw it on you. He'll film it. He's always got his camera with him. He's got that enthusiasm of a monster kid that was filming movies back when he was a kid, but as an adult, and he still has that love of doing films. Uh, what can you say? You're going to hear his interview in just a second. I'm going to be playing the promo for Monster Bash, but I just want to remind everybody that during the promo, they'll mention that Joe Flaherty is going to be there, but Joe Flaherty can't be there due to health reasons. He uh, Instead, they're going to have Wesley Yore and Kathy Coleman, who were there in the summer, so you're going to hear or see two of the people there from Land of the Lost if you're able to come out. And I hope um, you're able to come and I'm able to see you guys there and we'll have a good show and enjoy it. And now on to the promo. Classic monster movie fans from across the nation have their sights set on Monster Bash this October 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2022. It's the gathering of fans and professionals from every state for the event of a lifetime. It's a celebration of horror and science fiction films with a special spotlight on the greatest horror comedies of all time, like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Hold on to your hats. Look at this guest of honor lineup. Ron Chaney, grandson of Lon Chaney. From the cult classic, Dracula vs. Frankenstein, Dracula himself, Sandor Vorkov, SCTV's Count Floyd, Joe Flaherty. From Family Affair and the mystery in Dracula's castle, Johnny Whitaker. Zombie walker, Jeremy Ambler from AMC's hit TV show, The Walking Dead. Monster Muppeteer, Emmy Award winning, Bill Diamond. TV horror host, Son of Ghoul, Drac and Countess Corita, and more. Meet and chat with all the guests. Enjoy an almost non-stop film festival, life-size monsters, and shop over 100 vendor tables of the rarest monster movie collectibles, monster magazines, DVDs, Blu-rays, T-shirts, and everything classic monsters. Quick, get on board with monster movie fans from across the nation at Monster Bash, October 14th through the 16th, 2022, at the Marriott Pittsburgh North. Autumn's creepy classic festival of stars, vendors, and fans just like you. Get all the details right now at monsterbash.us. That's monsterbash.us. Or call 724-238-4317. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast as we're working our way up to October's Monster Bash. This October 14th for the 16th. And I'm joined on this episode by one of the guests, David The Rock Nelson, director, actor, monster kid, true and true. How you doing today, David? Great. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful out here. I mean, we're getting close to Monster Bash time, and I know you're a fixture of showing up at every Monster Bash, it seems like, that I've been to. Yeah. Everyone, every summer Monster Bash since 97, except when they had that so-called pandemic uh, 
like about a year. I think it was like two years ago. I didn't go to that one. But uh, other than that, I've been to every one since 98, since 97. Yep. And this one's going to be in the, the fall. So you're, you're, you're breaking your normal summer tradition. Well, you still showed up in the summer, but now you get to add one in in the the fall month. Yeah, I'm going. I want to meet Xandor Vork of uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein. Yeah. I, I was just watching it last night on Dr. Destruction's Crimson Theater, uh, and uh, it's one of my favorite movies. It's probably somewhere in my top 30, you know, but I, I, I like watching it like once or twice a year on VHS video on one of my VCRs. Yeah, Ron, yeah. Ron Adams and I were talking about the upcoming Monster Bash in an earlier episode, and we also talked about Dracula versus Frankenstein, and both of us just enjoyed that movie a whole heck of a lot. And, yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just a fun movie. Is it a great movie yeah. in some ways? No, but I enjoy it. I have fun with it. It's a fun – I mean, that's the main thing. Are you entertained? Yeah, yeah it's a fun movie. Yeah. Exactly. And um, you, you've had an interesting career – so far, I mean, you you start off um, in the Marine. You're in the Marines. You're a minister. You, you you're studying to be a minister. You were a boxer, and then you became a filmmaker. But before all that, as I said, you were a kid just like everybody is, and you became a monster kid. What was your right? What was your movie movies that you really enjoyed growing up watching? Well, probably the first monster movie I saw was when I was like almost five. I was actually four. It was like fall of 61. It was like about a month before my fifth birthday. And my mom turned on the TV. It was a rainy Saturday afternoon at 12 noon, Channel 9 in the fall. And my mom turns on the TV. And all of us kids are sitting in front of the TV. And it's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And so, you know, and I, I thought the Frankenstein monster was so cool. And I was getting picked on sometimes at school, you know, by bigger kids. That was right when I was starting kindergarten, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, yeah, I got picked on, you know, because I was little and stuff. And I was hoping that Frankenstein could come to school with me and scare away the bullies. So, you know, he was like my friend. I, you know, I wanted, I wanted him to go to school with me and scare away the bullies that were picking on me. <laughs> Well, oh, yeah. I mean, he definitely would scare people away. I mean, if you if you came up with a seven foot Frankenstein monster, I think a lot of people would give you some space. <laughs> yeah, Glenn Strange, my favorite Frankenstein. Boris Karloff played the part the best, but Glenn Strange was like, the coolest looking Frankenstein. That's my favorite monster. I used to draw pictures of him and werewolf King, um, King Kong. Excuse me. King Kong, and my dad was a commercial artist in Chicago for Russell T. Gray, downtown Chicago, and he'd bring home pads of paper for me because I'd ask him, Dad, can you bring home some papers so I could draw pictures of monsters? And I'd draw, uh, they, I had a whole pad of paper full of, you know, eight by ten drawings of the werewolf, King Kong, Frankenstein. And then, uh, in fact, I'm the only one in our family to follow my dad's artistic pursuits because uh, I took four years of art in high school at Maine South from 71 to 75, and uh, to this day, I still sometimes draw a monster. I do the art for all of my covers. I've had people say, oh, this is my uh, my boyfriend's uh, an artist, and uh, who does the covers for your videos, this girl said to me. I go, uh, I do that myself. She goes, well, my, my boyfriend's an artist here. He can do that for you. Here's his card. Well, you know what? I never call those people because I like doing it myself. I like doing my own art. I want people to see my art. I don't want to have to pay somebody to do something that I can do for free 
and it's my expression. It's my movie, so I want people to see my expression of it. I want them to see my art of my movie. So you know, I do the co- I do all the covers. Yeah, I don't pay anybody to do the covers. But, uh, I don't pay I don't pay anyone to do lighting. One guy says, "Hey, well, I got." The-. But anyway, I'm getting on another subject. But I'm gonna go on a rabbit trail here. Recently, a uh, lady that I know, she bought a couple of my movies. A lady from church, she bought a couple of my movies, and uh, the church I used to go to. And um, her son is getting into filmmaking and acting. And she says, "Oh, my son's in acting too, like you. You know, he's into that, and and you, know, you should talk to him." Well, I got a ride with him, and then he started telling me. He started showing me his equipment. He got big movie lights and everything. He says, hey, hey Rock, if, if you need any lighting or something, I'll come over and I'll do it. You know, of course, then I got to pay him. But see, I use the natural light from the sky that God gives us for free every day. I mean, I don't need people setting up movie lights to get just perfect. I use the natural lighting that God, God makes the sky light up every day for free. He paints the sky every night, different colors. So, I mean, I get I get shots for that. I like natural things. I like natural light, natural settings. Uh, I film a lot of my stuff in my basement, in my backyard. I've had people make fun of me. It's like, oh, yeah, he, he makes those backyard. He makes those homemade movies, you know. He, he makes those homemade movies, you know, like, like showing, like, disrespect, you know. But you know what? I get the job done. And those guys that talk all that, how they're going to make a great classic, blah, blah, blah. I'm still waiting for them to make their first movie. I mean, I've, I've heard guys say, oh, yeah, we're going to make movies now. I'm, I'm going to be famous. Well, see, that wasn't my goal when I started out. My goal was to make movies because I wanted to make movies. I, I thought it'd be fun. I always had dreams since I've been a kid. I wanted to make monster movies. Ever since I saw Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and ever since I saw I was a teenage werewolf, I was a teenage Frankenstein, how to make a monster after school at 3.30 on the big show. This was back in the 1960s in Park Ridge, Illinois, where I grew up. And they had a Ben Franklin dime store, Ben Franklin five and dime, and they had those Ben, ben Cooper Frankenstein man for 25 cents with a rubber band. And then uh, they had spook stories, monster cards with photos of all the universal monsters, you know, Boris Karloff, Glenn Strange, uh, Christopher Christopher Reed as the werewolf from Curse the Werewolf, uh, Lon Chaney as the Wolfman. And um, there was five cents for a pack of five cards with a stick of bubble gum. That was by Leaf Brands Incorporated in Chicago. Leaf Brands. By the way, I looked up in an old phone book. We have an old 1970s phone book, and I had the address of Leaf Brands in there, and I looked it up, and I took a bus down to Chicago, to south side of Chicago, and um, I, uh, and I, north side of Chicago, and I had my video camera, and I videotaped the building before they tore it down. It's all abandoned building. That's where they made the monster cards. That was the home of Leaf Brands. That's where they printed them up. So I, all these years, I got, so I got finally, and I put it in my Pumpkin Man video. If you get my Pumpkin Man DVD, that's got five, Pumpkin Man one through five, you can get it from me. I'm bringing four, I'm bringing some copies of that to the Monster Bash with copies of all my other ones. I'm bringing about 50 some odd DVDs to Monster Bash. So, uh, plus my new one, Dave Rock Nelson Rocks Monster Bash 2022, which I videotaped this last Monster Bash this year. And um, you can get it's a it's a four hour DVD and you're in it by the way. I saw your scene today getting attacked by Devil Ant. I know and, I was attacked by Devil Ant. What, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I asked you what what's it like bringing my Dave Rock Nelson movie? You're oh yeah, it's like 
it's a great experience. I think you said it's the highlight of my life, something like that. But I, I forget what you said. But anyway, you're in it. It's a 25, 24-minute mark and about a minute and a half. And so, um, but like I said, I, I got um, – so anyway, like when I was a kid, I used to go to Ben Franklin, and they had King Kong cards for five cents back in 1962, right after King Kong versus Godzilla came out. My brother and I saw that for 25 cents at the Pickwick Theater in Parkridge, Illinois. It's still standing. They they fixed they fixed it. They uh, they're showing movies there again. And um, Dino guys in charge. He was like the manager owner, and uh, they show uh, like a. Scary movie every October there. The Matt Hoffman, who's in charge of the classic films there in Park Ridge, he uh, he hosts movies there like every few months, classic films. And, uh, they're going to show Doctor Fives there in October, but I'm not going because I see I love Vincent Price, but Doctor Fives is too creepy for me. I tell people that they think, oh, Rock's going to come there. I know Rock's going to come to the. To see Doctor Five, yeah, I love Vincent Price. I like I like Tales of Terror by Roger Corman. I like I like him in The Tingler and House on Haunted Hill, the William Castle films. Those are my two favorite, and, and I love him in House of Wax. Yep. I saw that in 3D when I was like 13 at the Morton Grove Theater. There was lines all the way down the all the way down the block and to the other side of the street. There was a line all the way around the corner on the other side of the street. I I had to wait in line for like an hour to get in. But it was in 3D. The smoke was coming out of the screen. We had the 3D specs. Um, but, yeah, but I loved And I used to see that after school at 3.30 on the big show in Chicago. I lived in Park Ridge. Every day after school at 3.30, the big show on Channel 7. It was on right after Dark Shadows. My my pal from uh, junior high, John Brunner, would say, hey, Dave, you watch Dark Shadows? I say, no. Uh, he says, oh, they got vampires and werewolves in it. So John Brunner, God bless him. Because of him, I started watching Dark Shadows, and uh, I'd run home. I'd run home a half a mile, huffing and puffing. I got through the door like just in time when Dark Shadows was beginning, and I watched that. And uh, and then right after that, they had the big show, and they'd show like How to Make a Monster, the Giant Gila Monster, and uh, Teenage Zombies with the great Don Sullivan. Uh, I met Don Sullivan at 2008 Monster Bash. I've been. I was looking for him. In fact. They were looking for him pretty much because I kept asking Rondo. I Ron Adams. I said, I said, are you going to get Don Sullivan? Have you guys found Don Sullivan? I asked Foy Ackerman in '97 at the first Monster Bash and at '98 Monster Bash. I said, Foy, do you know what happened to Don Sullivan? Do you know what happened to him from from the from the giant Gila monster? And he says, No, I think the uh, the Gila monster ate him and then he died of food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> he, there was the Gila monster died from food poisoning because it ate Don Sullivan. <laughs> but that's what Foley said. I thought that was funny. I got that. I got it on video. In 98, I taped it, and you can watch it on YouTube. David Rock Nelson interviews Foley Ackerman. David Rock Nelson and Foley Ackerman. And you can see clips of him in my movies, like getting attacked by devil ants. And you can see that interview where I ask him, and I ask him, uh, have you ever seen Dave Rock Nelson's movies before? Uh, have you? And back in 93, I sent him a VHS of Frankenstein versus Sodom and Sane, my first movie in 91, and uh, which I started filming right after Bible college, you know, because I got rebitten by the sci-fi bug. Anyway, I'll go into that in a minute. But I sent Foley a tape in 93, and I sent him a copy of Conrad Brooks versus the Werewolf, which I finished uh, around October of 93. I filmed that in three days in Baltimore with Conrad and his brothers. It was like four hours a day for three days. 
And then I filmed some uh, some final scenes here in Des Plaines that took me a couple hours. And uh, I, I had a werewolf dummy. I needed a werewolf dummy for some scenes, so I I stuffed my clothes with newspapers and I and I uh, put the werewolf head on it and uh, and I taped I. Uh, took a pin I, with, uh, with uh, you know, safety pins. I pinned that mask onto the top, and I'm carrying this dummy. And all of a sudden, this big German, I'm with my girlfriend. You know, we're going to, she's helping, watching me do the scene. And all of a sudden, this big German shepherd, uh, he's on a leash. This little girl had a pet German shepherd. And all of a sudden, the German shepherd comes up, and it bites me in the leg. It, it, it puts its mouth um, uh, into my pants, you know, around my leg. And then all of a sudden, she pulls it, and, uh, you know, and I and she says, "Oh, he thought you were carrying a real person." <laughs> so, you know, the dog thought I was carrying a real person. That was the werewolf dummy for my. You'll see the dummy in some scenes. You can tell it's a dummy because it's sort of just laying there. But uh, I, I put like fake eyes in it with like paper, and I drew like eyeballs, and I scotch taped them to the inside of the mask, and I stuffed the mask with like a T-shirt so that. It would keep those eyeball, those fake eyeballs against the mask, and so it, you know it looks like you can see the werewolf laying there with with his eyes open. But anyway, um, so you know I'm on a no budget. I don't have to buy an actual dummy. I don't have to pay somebody to make one. I do it myself. Yeah. And then I film stuff in my basement, in my backyard. The neighbors were driving by when I was filming my Mummy Returns movie back in '98. David Rock Nelson's Mummy Returns. This was like three years before Universal did one with the same title. But mine's a one mummy. It's not a bunch of mummies. It, and mine's like a monster comedy. It's totally different. It has nothing to do with Universal. That, theirs was after mine. Mine was first. So uh, they even showed a preview at Monster Bash 2000 in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. They showed a 20-minute preview of David Rock Nelson's Mummy Returns. You can watch previews of it on YouTube, by the way. But you got to type David Rock Nelson Mummy Returns on YouTube. Don't just put Mummy Returns. You'll end up getting Universal. But David Rock Nelson Mummy Returns. And David Rock Nelson the Mummy Creeps. Because I gave it a new title now. I wrote the President of Universal. I told him that uh, I thought up that title first before you guys did your movie, blah, blah, blah. I sent him Xerox pictures of, of the movie, the article that I typed that saying that my movie was filmed in 1998. And... Uh, it was three years before Universal's, but you know what? I never heard back from them. But you know what? That's okay. Other people think up the same title, but mine is a different story. However, to avoid confusion, I changed the title to The Mummy Creeps, and I added new scenes of me as the Egyptian that were just shot, like, last year. So you see, like, old footage of me as a mummy with the makeup on, and then I edited in new scenes of me as the Egyptian. I go, go now, old mummy. Go and show the people who you are. Show them who you are, old mummy. You know, so um, they showed a clip of it on WGN. That's my upcoming David Rock Nelson, The Mummy Creeps. And if Forty Ackerman's in a cameo, he gets attacked by the mummy. But uh, you see that stuff on YouTube. It's seen me on Facebook, David Rock Nelson, and I'll talk your head off. But I want to say this. Um, back to the beginning. Um, like I said, I would watch these movies after school at 3.30, and, you know, I, I wanted to make monster movies. So when I was seven years old, I told my dad in front of the Park Ridge Camera Shop, by the way, now it's a Starbucks, but it used to be Park Ridge Camera. There was a $35 8-millimeter movie camera in the window, and I said, Dad, can you buy me that movie camera so I can make monster movies? You know, this is like, this is like, uh, Fall of 64. I was, uh, it was like a month before my eighth birthday. And I, my dad says, oh, David, I don't know. That's 
kind of expensive. It was thirty-five bucks. Well, he's raising five kids back in the sixties. Thirty-five bucks was a lot of money. That, that'd be like finding like uh, like five hundred bucks today. Yep. You know, monster cards used to sell for five cents a pack. It's like one cent for each card. Today, you can buy one monster card from collectors between one to two bucks a piece at conventions. I I, I bought it from Dennis Gary's tennis for like a buck a piece. He had the uh, the Spook Story uh, 1961 monster card. It's called Spook Stories. Um, it's got Frankenstein on the wrapper. It, uh, yeah, it's got Frank, a drawing of Frankenstein. They were five cents, but not. if you want to get the wrapper today, you're going to pay at least 20 bucks. I mean, you'll probably pay more than that if, if you want the wrapper. There's a place called The Wrapper in Illinois, and uh, they sell that stuff. They can sell you the classic cards, the uh, wrappers from these 1960s or whatever, uh, or through whatever. And uh, so, um, you know, but you're going to have to pay a lot of money. I, I don't buy a lot of stuff anymore. I got enough stuff. But David, I'm trying to get rid of some of my excess stuff. I mean, I've got extra copies of videos, videos I don't watch anymore uh, because I got too much stuff in my basement, you know? So uh, I, think, I think a lot of us suffer that, that or monster kids. We got, we got, um, my, my wife will say there is too much stuff in our basement too. But to, yeah. to bring you back to where you're, where you're at before. So, your dad got you that camera or whatever, and did, did you? No, do- he wouldn't buy it. He said, "Oh, I don't know, David. That's kind of expensive." So he never bought me the movie camera. However, I took photo class at Maine South High School in '72, and because uh, I wanted to take pictures. But my my mom, my mom and dad did buy me a photo camera. It was thirty five cents for an for um. That's what they called one twenty film back then. I mean, the roll, it's on a roll. Yep. Uh, it's in a cartridge. And uh, when we were out vacationing in Holland, Michigan, uh, to see some relatives that used to live out in Holland, Michigan, and they have like they have like a big windmill, like they have in Holland, you know, the real Holland. Um, it's it's like a store, and you go in, it's like a giant windmill, you know, kind of like like they had in Frankenstein, in the original Frankenstein. Anyway, and they used to buy souvenirs in there. But anyway, I think they had a camera. There was a camera shop in town, and. Uh, my mom and dad bought me a first camera when we were vacationing in Holland, Michigan for 35 cents. It was back in like around 1965. And so I started taking pictures and I would put on my Halloween mask, the Ben Cooper Frankenstein, a Ben Cooper werewolf mask. And I'd uh, try to be teenage werewolf. I had like a leather jacket on and my, my dad or brother would take pictures of me. Uh, with my werewolf mask, my 25 cent plastic werewolf mask with the rubber band in the back. And, uh, so, you know, and um, as a space monster, and then the, and so I, I made my own haunted house in uh, in the attic of our house, and I uh, I taped the Ben Cooper Frankenstein mask to the wall, and I taped the little plastic skull mask to the wall inside of our uh, attic, and uh, I charged my mom five cents, you know, if she wanted to come into my haunted uh, attic, and but she hey, she couldn't fit in through the hole because there's a still hole up there. You gotta like crawl in there. You know, it's too hard for her to get in there. So I would aim the flashlight at the different monster heads. You know, Frankenstein, and she said, "Oh, that's scary." You know, <laughs> that's scary, David. You know, that's <laughs> back when I was a kid. You know, but and we, I think our house was haunted at in. 205 South Hamlin Avenue in Parkridge, Illinois. I would hear noises upstairs in the daytime when I was home alone. In the daytime when I was 32, when I all grew up. Now, this is after I started making monster movies. This is like around 1991. This is like the time when we moved to the house. Now we're in this plane. It's right before we moved. And I would hear footsteps up there. And uh, when I was home alone, 
and I was hoping my parents would come home. Here I'm 32, and I'm still scared. I was 34. I was about 34 back then. I'm scared because I thought there was a ghost up there. And I, I think of it as like an old man, like the ghost of an old man. It, it, I just figured it must be some man that died in the house and his ghost haunts. I mean, we'd hear footsteps a lot. And nobody was home, you know, and that's, that's when I was alone. But So I'm sure that house was haunted. But I filmed a lot of my movies there, like My Mummy 1993 was filmed at the house. And uh, when I started out, Frankenstein versus Sodom Insane, Werewolf versus Sodom Insane, those were my first movies that I made in 91 because uh, this was like years after, you know, my dad never bought me that movie camera, like I said. And like I said, uh, I took photo class at Maine South in 72, and one of the things they required was to make an 8-millimeter movie, uh, Super 8. And so we had to do that for a class project. So my dad had to rent out a movie camera from that same camera shop that he wouldn't let, that he wouldn't buy the camera at. The same camera shop, we rented out a camera for like uh, 15, 20 bucks or whatever. And I filmed my first movie on an 8-millimeter film that was in uh, 1972 at Maine South when I was taking photo class with Philip Dunn. Philip Dunn was my teacher, D-U-N-N, uh, and uh, I could contact him one of these days and, you know, thank him for being my photo teacher. But anyway, so anyway, um, I made my first 8-millimeter movie and uh, with my brother in the backyard riding a, uh, riding on my buddy's mini, uh, mini bike. David Swanson was in it, too, a uh, uh, old buddy. I used to box with him. Anyway, so um, anyway, so they, I still got the movie. In fact, uh, I put it on video and then on DVD, so I'll put it in an upcoming release of mine, my very first home movie. It's not a monster movie, though. Anyway, but, so then um, then I wanted to be, then I joined the Marine Corps in 76. There we go. Uh, because uh, my brother talked me into it. He said, he said he, on my 19th birthday, uh, that's back when it's legal to start drinking when you're 19. This is back in 76. And my brother, on my 19th birthday, my brother took me to Snuggery Pub in Edison Park. And uh, that's where John Wayne Gacy used to go for beer. That's one of his bars. John Wayne Gacy, the serial killer, he, he only lived maybe a couple miles from our house. He, he lived uh, in Sunnyvale. That was maybe uh, three, four, maybe four miles from, four or five miles the most from our house in Park Ridge. He lived just over the border from, between Park Ridge and Chicago. He just lived just over the border, over Higgins Avenue, just south there. So he was actually in, in, in Chicago, you know, kind of near maybe about a mile from the Marriott Hotel there at uh, Higgins and Cumberland. You know, he lived kind of near that area. So, uh, and I, we lived over on Hamlin Avenue by Main South. They have five, four or five miles from there. And so uh, during the time when he was on the prowl, you know, the time when I was 19 and my brother took me to Snuggery Pub and I found out that John Wayne Gacy used to go in there once in a, once in a while. I mean, he used to bar hop around the area looking for guys to, you know, take out it. I don't want to talk about it. It's kind yeah. of sad. But anyway, um, so uh, I just thought I'd mention that. And then, I'm not, so I'm not brother... into that, that kind of stuff. I want to say I'm not into that stuff. I'm not into the serial killers. I don't like graphic horror uh, slasher films in general. I, I hate the modern horror films. That all that demon possession and guys climbing up walls and climbing on the ceiling and they're possessed by a demon. And then uh, it, they don't make fun monster movies anymore like you know, with Frankenstein. And they, you know, they should make it look like Glenn Strange with the bolts in, the, the bolts in their neck, the square head. I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger would make a good Frankenstein because he's big and he's like stocky, and his head kind of is shaped kind of like Glenn Strange. I mean, he's got that 
rugged look like Glenn Strange had. I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger, since you know he played the Terminator and all that, you know why doesn't he? Why don't they ask him to play the Frankenstein monster? You know, and do a remake of Frankenstein or Evident, do a remake of House of Frankenstein. But they did a remake of House of Frankenstein. It was terrible. It, 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 it was that one made like in the early nineties, I think, and it was. They, it, it, the Frankenstein monster didn't look right. It was terrible. Anyway, but um, they should make them. They should go back like they used to. But nowadays, they're always trying to do all these explosions and CGI. One guy, I, I was at a gas station pumping pumping gas over there on Landmire Road uh, when I was on my way to Elmhurst. I was driving to Elmhurst for something. I was going to a movie or something, and I stopped for gas. And this, I told this guy to make monster movies. This is after I started making monster movies again. And this guy says, he threw up my flyer for Devil Ant. I think I gave him a flyer for Devil Ant after I finished. That was like my one of my earlier movies. It's a big hit now. People used to make fun of that. But I've sold now probably over 400, 500 copies by now, since 99 when I finished it. But I'll get back to that later. But uh, this guy says, he says, he looks at the flyers and says, how much did you spend on CGI? <laughs> And I want to say this, what does that have to do with making a movie? And I want to add one other thing. Another guy, I was interviewed by uh, Daily Show on Comedy Central. And A. Whitney Brown asked me, he goes, you ever use email? You ever use computer? You ever use email? I go, no, no. I said, I just bought a, a mask for like uh, 20 bucks, and I bought the monster hands for 15 bucks, and that's my monster. I had the rubber mask and rubber hands, and uh, I played the monster. I said, I, I sent maybe 35 bucks. Maybe 40 bucks if you count the videotape that I stuck in my video camera. That's about how much it cost me to make my movie. A blank tape. And these guys want 30,000 bucks to make our movie. They go on Facebook. They go on the internet. Yeah, we're trying to get a budget here to make our movie. And when you look at the movie, it doesn't look like it costs that much. And you know what I think? A lot of people, filmmakers ain't going to like me for saying this. But I think a lot of these guys are just trying to look to make a lot of money off their movie. So they, they, they want people to donate and donate and donate. And, yeah, I know it costs money to get a camera and all that. But a lot of these guys already got a camera. They already got a camera. I already got a camera. I paid for it with my own money. I didn't borrow it from somebody else. I saved my money and bought a camera at Walmart for 189 bucks. A Sony 240X X camera. 240X, I think it is. I'm gonna pull it out of my drawer right now. Anyway, it's uh, I got one here. This is the little little. It's a HD Sony Handycam. Yeah. HD Sony Handycam, and uh, you can get them for two hundred two hundred seventeen bucks. I got it on sale at Walmart for one hundred eighty nine bucks. And, uh, and Dave, I got that. The tag I got that in twenty fourteen. After I started going, after they stopped selling video cameras, I I moved to use a micro memory card. Only cost like ten bucks. I buy a memory card, ten bucks. The camera costs hundred nine. I don't need a five thousand, ten thousand dollar camera to make a stinking movie. And I want to tell those filmmakers out there: you don't need a big camera to make a movie. It's the size of your vision, not the size of your camera. It's the size of your vision. You can make a big movie with a little camera. And look at me: I'm a little guy. I'm I'm five foot five. I weigh one hundred sixty pounds. But I make monster movies. I see guys that are huge that maybe our filmmakers, I make a lot more movies than they're making. So I'm telling you, like they said in the Marine Corps, it's not the size of the man in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the man. And it's not the size of the woman in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the woman. It's, it, it, you don't look at their physical size. 
And even God says, I, I know my Bible. I read some Bible almost every day. I read, uh, today I read five verses because I was tired. <laughs> some days I don't read any, but usually I read about half a page a day. And I want to say something real quick. Jesus said, uh, the Bible said, God said to David, he, uh, he said um, when they were choosing a king for Israel, they were looking for someone to fight Goliath, you know, they chose the little ruddy guy, David. He was a little guy, but he knew how to use that swing, man. And look at he's the one that slayed Goliath. He said, I will go and slay this giant. I will slay Goliath. And he went out there and he did it. A little guy. And those big, and God, God chooses a lot of times the things that are strange, the things that are different. Like he chooses the lowly, like some the people that you least expect. A lot of times those are the people that get the job done because it's the desire that's in their heart. It's not how big they are or how many muscles they got. It's, it's, it's not how famous they are. God uses nobodies that try, that keep trying. You can be a nobody, but you can become a somebody. If you keep trying, you keep going, and you don't quit. I learned that from my mom and my dad. They didn't quit, even though I was a pain to them sometimes. <laughs> but I mean, the point is, and, and, and the Marines teach you that. They say, you don't quit. You don't quit until the job's done, and then you set another goal and you accomplish that. You don't quit. You don't quit in life because you're getting older. Hey, man, you can come back. There's brighter things. I, I listen to Joel Osteen every day, every Sunday. I listen to him today. He's very encouraging. Rock, and also, rock, uh, rock. Hold on a second. Okay, second. I'm going to shut second. up. You talk. <laughs> I was say, there's a couple of things I wanted to go back to what you were just talking about, and you were using you using the example of the camera, you know, and everybody thinks they need a big camera. And I've interviewed people that have put films out where they use just their phone, and because phone technology is so good now, that it's basically a camera. And yeah, you and, can use that too. Exactly. So people, if they have a a smartphone, one of those, you know, those kind of things, they can they have the camera already. And I know people that have put films out that have gone into theaters from that. You know, so it's 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 not like you yeah. need expensive camera. You just like you said, you need the vision and you need the drive, which I think nobody can argue. Nobody yeah. can argue with that you have the you have vision and drive and go through and follow through to get it done. And that's yeah. the, that's the key thing I think with a lot of young filmmakers and other filmmakers that you are a good example of is getting out there and you just do it. Now, people can argue the quality, this and that, but the thing is, like we talked about Dracula versus Frankenstein. You know, some people will say that's a terrible movie. But as you, Ron, and I all, and I know a lot of people that agree, it's a fun movie and it's an enjoyable movie. And that's the key thing. Were you having fun? Were you entertained? And a lot of your movies are that way. They're entertaining. Thank you. And, Thank you know, you. and people just have some enjoyment with it. But other people might say, I don't really care for that. But the thing is, a lot of people that don't make movies find it easy to be little people that do make the movies. And I think the thing you got to remember, they took the time, the effort, got the product out there and made the picture, which is what you've been saying. And that's the key thing is a lot of people don't do that. And you, it's, it's easy to be the backseat driver, but somebody's yeah. got to be driving that car. Yeah. Yeah, the reason I get picked on is like like Fertile and Ray says, when I used to get picked on in Dracula Magazine and Alternative Cinema and Move Magazines like that, they they they, they one, one magazine said blank blank blank. Why the blank does do these wannabe hack wannabes? Why don't they read, write, and practice their 
S word before releasing it to the public. And they were talking about me. And then, and then one guy says, oh, by the way, I was supposed to get a review of Mummy 1993 because I sent them a video and they, they were reviewing it in their magazine. They said, had the name of my movie there and they, the guy did a review. He wrote a review on my movie. And he didn't talk at all about my movie. He was talking about how uh, he was talking about how he was upset that uh, Adam West uh, stole the show when, when they were going to show his movie at some film fest, and then all of a sudden, and Adam West happened to be there, Batman, and all of a sudden, over the speaker, when people were in watching his movie, all of a sudden, an announcement came over the speaker, so, yeah, Adam West is signing autographs in the lobby, you know, and all of a sudden, a bunch of the people that were at this guy's premiere left the auditorium and went to meet Batman. Well, I probably would have too because uh, who doesn't want to meet Batman? Oh yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I met Adam West. I met I met Adam West at the famous Son of Famous Monsters '95, and I got my picture taken with him. It's in my Facebook among my uh, celebrities meet rock Facebook uh, album. It's an it's a photo album. Celebrities meet rock, and um, it's among that. It's got a picture of me sitting one stand with Adam West at the famous Son of Famous Monsters '95 convention in uh, in Hollywood. And uh, how Hollywood, California, that's home of Boris Karloff. Boris, Boris Karloff, this shall be a thriller, my friend. As sure as my name is Boris Karloff, this shall be a thriller. So come with me, my friends, come before it's too late. Yeah, and I, I like to, I even say Dracula, too. I am Dracula. I bid you welcome. I never drink wine. Yeah, anyway, I only drink coffee. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I drink coffee. I got my coffee right now. I'm guzzling it, man. I got my got my nice hot java. That's <sighs> good java. Okay, anyway, so, okay, now back to what I said. I have a lot of java eating scenes in my java and eating scenes in my movies, too, because I like to eat when I'm watching these monster movies. I mean, like they say, art imitates life. I like to have my pizza every Saturday night when I watch Spangoolie. And I, and I and last night I, I baked a pizza and I was watching Gargoyles, but... uh. But starting next week, then he's going to show Trilogy of Terror next Saturday night on Spengoli. I've met Spengoli 20 times. He, he gladly lets me use him in all my movies. So you can get people for free. This is why you don't need a big budget. If you're a nice guy, hey, be like Dan Roebuck. Dan Roebuck, man, you know, there's a nice guy. He's not only an actor, but he's a, he's a down-to-earth, friendly fella. And I, know, I don't think I've ever told him this before, that I'm going to say it anyway, Dan, if you're listening... Don't be offended. I'm I'm on your side. I'm trying to make you look good here. I want to say I think that the reason he's in so many movies and he gets used a lot, still being used. People, he's in Rob Zombie's uh, Monsters movie. He played Grandpa Monster. I I think I think he he's in a lot of movies. I think a lot of directors like him, and you know why? Because he's a nice guy. He, he's a friendly fella, and that's how you, that will help you get roles. It's not just how talented you are, but you have to. Develop your personality. You have to develop your soul, your spirit. You have to have a friendly inner soul, friendly inner spirit. You got to be able to get along with people, even people you disagree with. I mean, even like let's say someone disagrees with me in politics. Sure, that's okay. They can still be my friends. They don't have to vote for the guy I like to vote for. They don't have to be a Republican. They can be a Democrat. I got friends that are Democrats. I'm. I mostly vote Republican, but I like a lot of Democrat. And the thing is, I don't judge a person by their political party. I think that uh, Republicans and Democrats should be friends. I think they should work together. I think they should be fighting all the time. But, you know, that's what makes it exciting. Because, you, you, you know, the, the competition is always exciting. It's just like boxing. There has to be 
two boxers fighting each other, and some people root for one guy, some root for the other guy. That's what makes it exciting. Competition is, that's why we got sports. You know, it's a good way to let out your frustrations, and it also develops physical fitness. So I'm, I'm, I love boxing. I love to watch boxing. I was by 26 amateur fights. I boxed in the Marines. I boxed in the Super State boxing team in the Philippines after I joined the Marines. My friend Bowie Gould, who was a Chicago Golden Gloves champion, uh, welterweight in 1974, when he, and he was a runner-up in 75 in the middleweight division against Johnny Lira, who beat him by a close decision. But Bowie knocked him down. Bowie was in the Marines the same time I was. I, and I never met him. And I'm, all of a sudden, I'm stationed in the Philippines. This was after San Diego boot camp. I was stationed in Subic Bay, Philippines for 15 months, uh, Marine barracks duty over there in QB Point, Republic of the Philippines. So I'm uh, over there 15 months on barracks duty, and we're all of a sudden this guy, he's a, he's a big stocky guy, and I say, hey, are you William, are you Bowie Gould? Weren't you in the Golden Gloves in Chicago? He goes, yeah. I said, yeah, my dad and I saw you win the championship. We were sitting up in the, up in the bleachers there, you know? And uh, he said, so him and I started boxing, working out, and he, he helped get me on the team. If it hadn't been for him, I wouldn't have been on the team because he talked Lieutenant Kerrigan into letting me box on the team. So I won my first fight, and I lost my second fight uh, to an all-marine all champion named Clarence James. They called him the Sarge, Clarence James. If you're out there, Clarence, how you doing, buddy? I thought I'd give you some free promo. But, you know, he, he uh, he's a short, stocky guy. He looked like Joe Frazier. He's an African-American guy, and he moved around and ducky duck under my punches. I it's hard to hit him. But what I did is I doubled up on my jab. When I threw a jab, right after I threw the jab, I threw another one right away. And what happened is when he ducked under the first jab, you know, I was starting to let go with a second jab right away. I, I did a double jab. When he came up, that second jab got him right in the face. So I'm like, oh, I, I got him now, you know. I started dancing around. But you know what? His experience, you know, he was a southpaw, too. It's hard. Southpaws are tricky. It looks like Rocky. You know, they leave the right hand, and then they throw a left cross, and then a right hook. They, uh, they, but he boxed like Joe Frazier. He ducked under my punches. He's hard to hit him. So he started nailing me in the third round. My face was all bleeding, man. My nose was... I mean, they couldn't stop the bleeding. Uh, he, he was nailing me. But, you know, I never went down. I never went down. This guy was a national champ. He was the best. He was an all-Marine champ. Uh, and uh, so they, my, my coach threw in the towel because he wanted to get hurt. He threw in the, the I made it to the third, the final round. I made it to the final round, but they stopped the fight. But, you know what? They were proud of me because I gave it my best. You know, and that's what it's all about. That's what life's about. Giving it your best. You don't have to win every fight. I ended up... Then I, then I went to Bible college after that. I wanted to be a minister because I asked Jesus into my heart because I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't want to go to hell because I knew I'd done a lot of sins. You know, I'd been out with a lot of wild women. and uh, <laughs> you did, you did things I was living a house once. After I asked Jesus in my heart, I started helping out the church, you know, inviting people to church and uh, telling them the good news of, of Jesus saves. And uh, we went to this one uh, motor home out there in Texas. And I uh, was, uh, you know, they call it witnessing, not Jehovah's Witness. I, I witness for, I know, Jesus. I, I witness about the real Jehovah God, you know, but uh, I'm not Jehovah's Witness. I, I tell people good news about Jesus Christ. But anyway, but not all the time. Like I say, now I'm a B-Monster movie maker. I like being a B-Monster movie maker, making people happy, entertaining people, giving them good entertainment. Sometimes I put a little bit of that in my movies, like, you'll see, like, a scene where the werewolf goes to church, and I go, so the werewolf went to church. To honor his savior, Jesus Christ. You know, so <laughs> that's in Werewolf in the Witch. <laughs> it's just the werewolf running to a church. 
<laughs> and he goes in the door. You see, it's comedy. It's, it's comedy, too. I mean, when have you ever seen the world go to church in a movie? You don't see that. People say, Rocky, that's not scary, but it's funny, you know. And, um, you know, it shows the world through. He's got a good heart. He just uh, just gets wild when the moon turns full. When the, when the sun comes out, he turns into a werewolf. I have the world running around in daylight with the sun out. Why? Because I feel like it. I don't have to do things the way other people did it. I don't have to follow any. When you're a filmmaker, you do it any way you want. You yeah. do it any way you want. But anyway, I was at this guy's house when I was helping out the church uh, out there in Texas. I visited this guy in his mobile home with his, with his wife or girlfriend. And I told him, I said, yeah, I, I used to be bad. I used to go out with a lot of wild women and stuff. And, and then he hugs his, his uh, girlfriend there and he goes, he says, this is my wild woman right here. You know? <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute. You know, that was cute. Yeah, And they were friendly people, you know, and they asked me if I wanted to drink. I, at that time, I wasn't drinking because I wasn't supposed to. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to drink, and I wasn't allowed to, and especially at Bible college, you know, you, they, you couldn't even have a TV in your room. So what? when I was home on break, when I was home on break, from Bible College in Maranatha Baptist Bible College, Watertown, Wisconsin. I went there with my GI Bill because I served four years in the Marines. From seventy, I was in the Philippines fifteen months, but then I was at Camp Geiger, which is near Camp Lejeune. So I don't think I got a lot of that water because I wasn't at the Lejeune base. I was nearby. I was about ten miles away at Camp Geiger, North Carolina, from uh, after the Philippines. I was stationed there until nineteen eighty to finish my four years in the Corps, but. Um, but anyway, um, boy, I forgot what I was saying. That's uh, okay. What was I talking about? Well, the, the, I was, was going to take us to a different spot anyway, but it was just. No, what, what, what was I just talking about just before? I was talking about how, um, yeah, uh, yeah. oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, but anyway, uh, so I finished my time over there at uh, Camp Geiger, North Carolina. I was going to say, yeah, so. now, wasn't it like during your career in the Marines? You were um, doing films there too. You carried. A, I can't hear it too good. Can you say it a little louder. When you were in, when you're during your time with the Marines, you were also carrying a film camera, weren't you? Doing some films. Oh yeah, yeah. I was the only Marine that carried a movie camera in his backpack. I had one of those XL Kodak XL cameras, and um, I would film stuff. And I film stuff in the Philippines. I got all my movies. I'm missing two reels though. When we were in Brundisi, Italy. When I was, that's when I was later at Camp Camp Geiger, we went on two med cruises, that Mediterranean cruises, there's six months, from, uh, six, two six-month cruises, once from 78 to eight, 79, and then and then later in 79, we went on another one, like a year later, uh, from 79 to early, to early 80, and um, I was in Rota, Spain, Naples, Italy, out of, out of, out of, out of USS Fairfax County, I was on the USS Boulder, and I was on the USS Iwo Jima. That's a big carrier. That had helicopters and, and Amtraks. These things would carry Amtraks inside of them. And Amtraks are these, like, floating amphibious vehicles. They're like a tank. But they're like a tank, and they're big. They're, they were ton. You know, they're really hefty. Like, you know, they're tons of, you know, they, they're at least a ton. But anyway, and they float, but they float, you know. But when you're inside, inside there's usually about 10 Marines in each one, eight or 10 Marines. But sometimes there's always some water will leak in there. It gets kind of scary. You, you get concerned. Like, you don't want it to sink like, you know. Yeah. It's kind of scary when you're floating out water. Those things go up, go out of the, the, the exit of the, the bottom of the ship. The ship opens up. They come out. They float in the water, and they land. Then they go on land, and then they drive on land. 
and then you get out and you you run out in like in like a you know a straight line and you uh, you attack the enemy. But you get in position to uh, you know get the enemy. You know, we're doing our military maneuver. I wasn't in a war because I was in the seventy six eighties. That wasn't a major war. Then I didn't have to shoot anybody. I didn't have to go to a major war because there was a peace time between seventy six and eighty. Um, in fact, I prayed. I said, God, please help there not to be a war. God, please help me not to have to kill anybody. God, please help me not to have to kill anybody. Please help there not to be a war. And you know what? There wasn't a major war my four years in, and I never had to shoot anybody. And you know what? I've met guys that met me after the Marines, and they say, how many people did you kill in the Marines? One guy over here in the Plains at the 4th of July parade, this is like about five years ago, he says, how many people, how many guys did you kill in the Marines? I said, I said, none. And he said, I said, so you just went over there and came back? I said, no, I did the training. I, I did the training, I, the infantry training and all that. But I want to say this. Another, one guy really did an insult. He said to me recently on Facebook, he said, he's a nice guy, but he, he threw a misinformed about the military. He says, oh, I showed him a picture of me with my M16A1 rifle because I was an infantryman. I was a ground pounder. They call it ground pounder, the backbone of the Marine Corps. 0311 ground pounder, in, or grunt. They call us a grunt. As long as they call Marines grunt. We're the ground pounders. We're the backbone of the Marine Corps. That's what my drill instructor said. He says, Nelson, you're an infantryman. Because we're deciding what, what, what I was going to do. They were going to make me a mortarman because I was kind of stocky. They thought I, I was kind of strong. I could carry the mortar, which is the, you know, which fires the, you know, that big heavy thing that fires the bombs, you know. Yeah. But, uh. I said, nah, I don't, I don't. I didn't want to carry that around, you know. And then he says, he says, oh, but then uh, Staff Sergeant John Hoskins, who can't see, says, no, nah, Nelson, you're, you're, you're a grunt, you're an infantryman, yeah, you're a grunt. I said, yeah, but I was supposed to be a dispersing clerk because when I signed the contract, joined the Marines, my mom said I should pick a good career, and she thought I was pretty good at math. And she said, you should uh, have a career after the Marines, maybe be a dispersing clerk, and you could have a job after you get out. So I wanted to be a dispersing clerk, but my Sergeant Reaver that signed me in, he uh, put me in open contract. So when I signed the contract, I didn't realize I was signing an open contract, which means they could put me in anything they think I'm suited for. So I said, I told my drone instructor, but I'm supposed to be a dispersing clerk. He said, no, no, Nelson, you're, you're a ground, you're a ground pounder. So they were able to choose what I did, what what, what job I had. Then I also was a security guard. They called, you know, I, I guarded posts in the Philippines, the military posts. And I we saw monkeys, I saw monitor lizards, I saw water buffalo, giant bats flying at night like like six feet from wingtip to wingtip. They were at least six foot. I thought I was looking at the devil bat. I, I thought I was looking at the legendary devil bat from the movie with Bela Lugosi, the devil bat. And I thought that was the real devil bat, the real life one. It, they, they, they had a lot of those. They'd be several of them at night. They were like six feet or wide, with their wingspan from wingtip to wingtip. It was at least six feet. Giant bats flying at night up there. That was scary, man. I, I thought it was, a, and um, I, I thought I, you know, and so, um, but they have a lot of those in the Philippines. That's uh, fruit bats, fruit bats and flying foxes. And um, they, that, you'll see scenes of that in The Devil Bat, by the way, which I was watching about a month ago. It's one of, I watched that movie, one of my guilty pleasures, I watch it at least a couple times a year. If I'm ever bored, I stick in Devil Bat or Frankenstein's Daughter. I watch each of those like at least twice a year on VHS in one of my VCRs. I don't need the DVD or the Blu-ray with the digital copy. It's got to be digital. These people are obsessed with that. 
If you got the VHS, stick that in. If you got a video camera, use that. You don't have to have a ten thousand dollar camera to make a movie. If you got a if you got a DVD player, you got a DVD recorder. You can record stuff. You can make DVD copies of your movie and sell them, like I do. I I use a DVD recorder. I got it brand new for one hundred seventy six bucks, brand new at Walmart, and it, it still makes great copies to this day. I don't use a I don't even use a burn. I use what I got. I don't need a computer at home because I. I use Facebook and all that at the library with my library card. I can use any computer I want for free. But anyway, back to the Marines about Philippines. Like I said, one of my buddies caught a giant monitor lizard, and I got a picture where I'm holding it. Now, these aren't um, Komodo dragons. Komodo dragons, you don't even want to touch them. Oh, yeah, you don't want to get near a Komodo dragon. Yeah, you scrape. Yeah, yeah, they're they're man-eating. And also, monitor lizards bite too, but the one that we caught, this one uh, didn't try to bite you. It, uh, what happens is they come up to my, uh, they, they, uh, they caught two of them. They got this real big one. And I'm holding that thing, and that thing's got its claws gripping my pants. I got pictures of it. I'll, I'll put them up. I think I got it in my uh, Marine album. I got, a, I got a black and white one. But uh, I'm going to find the original. I got a couple original copy, copy of that in my house, and I'll put that up eventually. But I got a black and white one of it. I'm holding the lizard. It's just He's got his claws clawing in on my pants. That, uh, it's kind of cute, 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 cute pictures, the cute lizard. Yeah, I'm holding it in my Marine outfit. And uh, then they caught another one, and they come up to my bunk at night, and they've got this lizard, and they're, I'm sleeping, right? And they say, they say, Nelson, Nelly, he's calling me Nelly. Nelly, wake up. And I look, and I see this, like, lizard, his face sticking at me. So I try to pet it. I start petting it, right? And they go, oh, watch it. It might bite you, you know? Well, anyway... Uh, I got my picture with that one too. That's on my uh, Facebook page too, in my album. It's got me holding the smaller lizard. But we, I also got a. They also got a giant, a big one. My pal Griffith caught a huge, big one. That's the big one he caught. But uh, Griffith lives in Illinois now. Uh, Jim Griffith, man, he used that. That's one of my other Marine buddies that I got back that I was able to find after the Marines. And that Bowie Gould. Uh, from Chicago Golden Gloves. Now he lives out in Arkansas. He's a good buddy. Him and I. He's on Facebook. Bowie Gould. Yeah, my fellow Chicago Golden Gloves. I do, I was in five Golden Gloves tournaments after after Bible College. Uh, after Bible College, I started boxing. Oh yeah, now I remember what I was going to tell you. When I was at Maranatha, I was at Maranatha. My in 1983, when I was home on break, I'd watch Spangoli and stuff. Every time I'd watch Elvira, my friends in Milwaukee, I'd visit them on weekends in Milwaukee, and we'd watch Elvira at like 11 o'clock, and we'd watch like. Dr. Frankenstein's Castle of Freaks at 11. And we had then uh, movies like that, and like uh, like the uh, Curse of the Swamp, Curse of the Swamp Creatures with uh, with uh, by Larry Buchanan, starring John Agar. You know, I was just watching that the other day. I like I like the Mad Scientist. That's Joseph Fletcher, I think, plays the Mad Doctor, and he goes breathe, live, breathe. Anyway, and then he did Zontar the Thing from Venus, Larry Buchanan. They show clips like that on Elvira and Spangoli. Anyway. When I was home on break, they had Dracula versus Frankenstein, my little rinky-dink black and white TV. When I was home in when I was home in Park Ridge visiting my parents, on my little twelve-inch black and white rinky-dink TV, I'm watching Dracula versus Frankenstein um, at five thirty in the morning. Man, I wanted to see that ever since the seventies when when we used to have a me and my buddies used to have a monster club that I got the idea to start. I said. I said, I know, let's start a monster club. You know, this was back when I was like eight years old, spring of 64 or 65. I told my buddies, Don Stillwall Jr. and Len Likowski, I said, 
hey, I know, let's start a monster club. And they go, yeah. So we started watching Creature Features Saturday nights at 10.30 on WGN and Double Bill, you know. They triple bill at Frankenstein's daughter at 3 a.m., uh, 1 a.m., and uh, I zonked out during that one. But uh, there was like a triple bill. And, you know, they had Don Silva Sr. would get pick up a Barnaby's Pizza and um, – and uh, hold on a sec. I, I'm I got the landline on now. You still there? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Don Stillwell Senior, Don's dad, who I didn't know was in, was the architect that designed our high school, Maine South, and he also designed Maine North High School in Glenview, Illinois. I found out later. You know, we're now we're talking like 30, 40 years later. My mom takes us to uh, Maine West High School after the Marines. My mom, uh, this is like right after I got out of the Marines, my, like 1983. My mom takes us to Maine West, which is like about a half a mile down the street, half a mile from my house, just down the down the Howard Avenue here. I'm in Displains on Howard Avenue, right by Lake Opeka. They cut a man-made lake. But anyway, about a half mile down is Maine West. My mom takes me and my brother and sister down there. They had an afternoon. There's like 16-millimeter movie showing of Breakfast Club. And at the beginning of the movie, there's my friend's dad's name mentioned, Don Stillwell, but they misspelled it. They spelled it Stillwell. But that's because he's the one that built the school that they used in the movie The Breakfast Club with Anthony Michael Hall and Ali Sheedy and those guys and that Judd Nelson guy, you know. So And then, and, and of course, Emilio Estevez. By the way, I met his dad. I met uh, Joe Estevez, and I met uh, Martin Sheen. <laughs> I met Martin Sheen once when I was in the Marines when our ship was in port at, um, at, uh, in, um, oh, what's the name? What's that top place? Uh, well, it was in port. It was one of those, um, the USS Pensacola was the ship I was on at that time. Um, that place, that, that place he used to live at, I forget. Um, anyway, well, anyway, he lived near that port that we were at when on USS Pensacola. I forget the name of the state, the city, but anyway, um, that was the, that's where he was from. So anyway, we go. I went out for uh, pizza at this midnight place. This place closed at midnight. Me and my pal Steinruck are going to get some pizza, and all of a sudden we see this guy in a white three-piece suit, and he's got his two buddies, and he, he looks like he's kind of hammered, you know, like he's out drinking, and he's got his arm around his two buddies, and they just came from the bar, or whatever. And I look, and I'm like, I tell my buddy, hey, that's the guy I saw in that movie, the, the the movie with the train, and he's an athlete, and he's running on top of the train to try and save the people's lives. Uh, that's the uh, Von Ryan Express or something, his name of the movie or something. Oh. The Von Ryan is made in the 70s, and it's, it's got a disaster Martin movie. It's a disaster movie, and it, um, yeah, because he, he, he was like a mountain climber, and he went along the thing, and um, eventually... Yeah he's, expert, yeah. yeah, he's running on top with his gym shoes, and I said, I remember that. It was on the Tuesday movie of the week, because they, they told Cold Jack Night Stalker and all that stuff. I remember they, the first Night Stalker movie with, uh, yeah, so, um, they, and they showed, they showed that one, too, and we'd watch that every Tuesday, you know, and so, um, I said, that, I saw that guy's actor, and so I come up to him, I go, hey, I saw you in that movie on ABC Movie of the Week, you know, and on the, with the, where you're on the train, and he goes, he goes oh, yeah, yeah, Martin Sheen, nice to meet you. He's uh, you know, a real friendly guy, you know, and, um, and so, um, and then, then I meet his brother, Joe Estevez, at the Scary Camp Convention 2006, then I had one of those, that was in Dayton, Ohio, and uh, I went to that. And Conrad Brooks was there, and his brothers showed up. Ted and Henry showed up. I talked to them, but uh, yeah, but um, but the thing is, and that's where I met um, Matt Brass, Matt Brassfield, Matt Brass. That's when I first met him, and he bought a copy of Frankenstein's Thoughts and Devil Land, I think. Anyway, now Matt Brass has a comic book called Sparkle Comics, and 
he wants to do a double ant comic and he paid me for it already. He paid me a hundred bucks and he's getting, he's going to do a double ant comic and he, and he paid me another hundred bucks and he did, uh, he's going to, so I'm getting paid actually for my hobby. You know what? I'm just to remind all those people that put me down and said my movies are crud and elsewhere and all that and saying, Hey Rocky, you're still making those stupid movies. You're still uh, going on WGN, making a fool of yourself every Halloween. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I want to ask them like, what the heck are you doing with your freaking life? Nothing. Just go out and get high. And the one, the girl that asked me this, she looked all burnt out. I used to do movie extra work with her in Chicago. I was a movie extra. I was in The Gladiator, Brian Denny. I was a boxing fan in that. I was seen like three times for like three seconds each near the end. I'm, I'm one of the guys in the, in the crowd with a black leather jacket, and I'm waving my fist like Arsenio Hall. You know, he used to wave his fist when he'd come out there, you know, when he had his own show. And I'm going, woo, woo. You know, I was like cheering on the boxer, you know, waving my fist in the air. And um. So I was in like three, three second scenes. I got paid 80 bucks a day. The first day was free, but when we went back, they started giving us a voucher. So I made like 80 bucks, 80, 88 bucks. And I met Brian Dennehy. I met Cuba Gooding Jr. I met John Cena, who was a boxer in that. He's the one that played, um, he was the, the buddy of the James Marshall. I met James Marshall, nice guy. And I shook their hand after the, after the, after they finished the fight scenes. And, we, and um, and Johnny Lira, the boxer that boxed my buddy Bowie Gould in the 75 Chicago Golden Gloves, he was the bookie in that. And uh, he, he was a good friend of mine. He's a nice guy. He's on a bar. And when I go to his bar, he give me free drinks. I was only there once, but he's a real great guy. Anyway, he um he opens up this room in the back in when, when there was a break in filming. And um, he takes me, he opens the door, and there's a keg of old style. And he goes, go ahead, help yourself, Rock. So, you know, I had a few. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't drink much. I don't drink much, but, you know, back then I drank more. You know, now I, I mostly just drink coffee. I rarely go to a bar. I let, I'll just walk right past the bar because I don't need to go to a bar to feel good. I feel good of who I am. I don't need drugs. I don't need to be high when I'm doing a movie. Drugs don't help you be more artistic. Uh, cocaine and all that steroid does not build muscle. It only gives you temporary results that go away when you stop taking it. If you want to build muscle, it's it's steady. It's progressive. It's a little bit at a time. You start out gradual, a couple times a week. You've got to get your muscles used to it so you don't lift weights every day. You, you, you work a certain body part. You might do one, one or two exercises one day and then... Two days later, you work those body parts again. You got to give it a couple days of rest before you work those same muscles. You know, like bench press or push-ups. I don't do push-ups every day. I, I wait a couple days because I use a lot of force. I, I do like two, three sets of 20 uh, once or twice a week. Push-ups. They keep my chest strong. I don't lift weights now. The guy I do workouts and I do push-ups. And I do my rowing at home. Rowing, that's where you pull towards you. I just use, I just tense my muscles. I don't have weights here, so I just tense my muscles and I pull. I, I tense my muscles hard and I, I do maybe 10, uh, 20 reps, 15, 20 reps of rowing where you, you got your arms extended in front and you pull towards you and it works on your back, your lats and your biceps. And then I'll do like two sets of 15 reps, of, 15 to 20 reps of curls the same way. I tense my muscles and I breathe out as I'm pulling up and I do like two or three sets of 20. I do that like once a week. And then, um, and sometimes I'll do, uh, and then I'll do a different exercise later. We I might go do some bar dips, which also works the triceps. That that's the muscles on the back of your arm. That the same muscle you use when you do a push up. At bar dips, I'm good at. The, I can do like 15, 20 reps of bar dips, uh, two sets. And I'm six. I'm sixty five, man. But see, that's when I started out. I was only able to do like five or ten reps. It yeah. took me time to work up to fifteen. It took me many months. 
You got to start out. If you only do five push-ups, do five. And then rest a couple minutes and try to do five more. If you only do four more, that's good. You did your best. And, you know, maybe a couple weeks later, you'll be able to do more. And I do that once or twice, a couple times a week. Don't do it every day because you got to give your muscle a chance to recuperate and rebuild because you're going to feel soreness after that. You're going to feel soreness. That's a sign that you're using muscles you're not used to. But anyway, I just want to keep in shape. You know, I do. I walk a lot. I walk maybe one to two miles, like five days a week. And my, my ankle's sore too, but you know what? I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting the orthotics. I ordered the orthotics the other day, the superthotics. And they cost like thirty nine ninety five in the mail, the superthotics.com. And they give a cushion, and they cushion your feet. And um, and it balances your feet so your ankles balance, your foot's balanced, and it's in alignment because that'll keep you from getting what you call pronation. That's where your uh, foot bends a little at the ankle, and it, it it hurts your it hurts your ankle. Your foot's gonna hurt. You're gonna walk bad. And it's called pronation. That's where your legs go down, and then your foot goes bends to the side. Like that's that's not good. These orthotics they give you like an arch support, and it gets your foot back in alignment. So I ordered it thirty nine ninety five. So I and I did buy a cheaper version at the store for like twenty bucks, a little arch support, and that's helped me a lot. So I'm rocking and rolling again. Like I told Kyle Lance, who's going to be in Monster Bash, he's a good fan of mine. He wants to make a Bigfoot movie out there in South Carolina. He, um, I gave him an idea for a title, and he uh, he's going to be there. But I told him the other day on Facebook, I said, "Yeah, I'm rocking and rolling again. The rock is rocking and rolling because my foot's feeling better because I got the arch support, and I'm getting the orthotics in the mail probably tomorrow. It's a good investment." If you got foot problems, get something like that. Get the superthotics. I would recommend. I ordered. I'm. I'm sure that'll. You know. But there's other things you get the store that are cheaper that'll be. You know, close to. They'll be pretty good. Yeah. But I want to get the best because I want to be able to walk good. When I'm at Monster Bash, I want to be able to walk Monster Bash next month. This month, next month, the 14th or the 16th in Myers, Pennsylvania. I want to be able to walk to, uh, to get a burger over there at the gas station. The gas station got a lot of good food there, man. They get, they get good deals. They got all different kinds of burgers. I think the best thing is go to that, that gas station in the mall that's about a mile away from the hotel. I take the road, and I walk across the street, and then I they got a milkshake place there, too. It's called the the milkshake house or something. They all these different flavors of milkshake. That's all they have in there is ice cream. I, I, I want to go in there once and try one of their uh, special milkshakes. They have all these weird, cool flavors and stuff. And, you know, one's named after a baseball player or whatever. Anyway, the point is, so, you know, I want to be able to get my snacks and bring them back to the hotel because the hotel charges a lot for food, man. And I want I want I want to, so I go out and get a couple burgers. I get a big thing of coffee, you know, a big cup to last me. And I walk back to the hotel. So I got my munchies to eat when I'm watching the monster movies at monster bass. Yeah. I got, I got, I like, I like the snack when I'm watching those movies because watching those monster movies makes me hungry, man. Well, that's the like, fun uh, thing. That's the fun thing. You know, watching movies and enjoying yeah. stuff in that crowd, you get that experience. But one thing I want to correct you because you don't know when this episode's coming out. You know, we're recording it at near the end of September, but your episode uh-huh. is coming out on my birthday, October twelfth. So it's so what? literally, it'll be people will be going just a few days later. They'll be at the Monster Bash, you know, from the um, the, the the. Wait a minute, hold on. I'm going to edit this part out. This will be coming out October 10th. I was looking at September. This will be coming out October 10th, and the Monster Bash will be the 14th for the 16th. So literally, it's still just a few days later. Monster Bash will be happening, and you'll be able to go to to these places that The Rock was telling you about. You'll be able to meet The Rock. You'll be able to meet um, Johnny Whitaker, Joe Flaherty, Zandor. I mean, there's going to be so many things 
I mean, I'm looking for Zondor through. Vorkov. Uh, is, is it going now? Are you taping me right now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is your last stop this evening. Your very last stop. You are responsible for the death of Dr. DeRay, last of the Frankensteins. I am Dracula. Dr. Frankenstein, your mind and surgeon skill were meant to fulfill the Frankenstein dream and to infuse life into that artificially created man, the likes of which civilization will never forget. You cannot escape your destiny. I cannot escape mine. Yeah. Well, like I said, it at Famous Monsters, son of fam. I got it down pat. I I, I imitate. I love to imitate Sandra Vorkov. I, I love. I I he's a he's a great iconic Dracula. I don't care what anybody says about that movie. I love it. You know it's fun, and it, 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 a lot of people say, "Oh, Belladonna was the best." Yes, he was. But the, John Carradine was a great Dracula too. He had that stare. And I remember him from the 60s in House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. Those are the two movies I wanted to see more than any other movie. But he, he's got a unique look, and he's got that, that cool stare in his eye. And he's, he was cool as Dracula. I, don't care. I was just watching House of Dracula yesterday at my girl Goofing's house. We watched House of Dracula, and then after that we watched, I brought over a DVD of uh, the Outer Limits episode, The Expanding Human with Skip Holmeyer and his greatest role ever. Yeah, as a, yeah, Mr. Hyde guy, you know, his face got all ugly. He looked like Mr. Hyde. And uh, we did, we loved that. It's a great episode. Next time I'm bringing over um, uh, Nightmare with John Anderson as the alien, he goes, he goes, you know, yeah, that, you know, he's got that spooky voice, you know, uh, that John Anderson is the alien. So, you know, I'm bringing that next time. So, you know, I love the classic Outer Limits, the 1963 to 65 series, not the new Outer Limits. Oh, can't watch that. There's maybe one or two episodes that I like that's it. But uh, the, the classic, black and white, 63, 1963 to 65 series of the Outer Limits is the best. And I love the Xanti Misfits. That's like, and then the first episode with Cliff Robertson, that's called um, um, Galax- the Galaxy um the Galaxy Invader or something like that. Um, there's a movie by Don Dollar called Galaxy Invader. I got a VHS of that. And, uh, it's got an alien in that. And uh, I got that for 10 bucks at a Monster Bash convention once a long time ago. Anyway, but back to what I was saying, um, uh, you were going to say something. I was going to say, basically, we're, everybody's going to be able to meet you at Monster Bash and get a chance to talk with you and, and buy your movies and all that fun stuff. And I know I'm looking forward to seeing you again. I finally was attacked by the devil ant, the last monster bash. That's what I was telling you before. Mm-hmm. It's like all these monster bashes I go to, you never, you, I was never attacked until then. So finally I got, I got attacked by the devil ant and it seems like I, I made it into one of the, the rocks movies. Now I've made it yeah. to the big time, the big time. Yeah. Cause you know yeah, why? I'm 60. I'm, why? I'm like, because you do stuff with fun. You do it for love. And it's just, you do it. I mean, you, you keep moving forward. And that's what I think people love about your style, whatever you want to look at it. Um, you, you keep going forward. You keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, I, and I know I, there are a lot of stories that didn't finish taking. because, like, I, I got on these rabbit trails. Like, I'll be talking about something, and all of a sudden something else will come into my brain. And I talk about that. I'll change the subject. But um, that's just the way I am. It's like uh, they call that, when I was in Bible college, they call that rabbit trails. Oh, I didn't finish the story. When I was home, when I was home on Bible college in 83, I'm glad I mentioned that. 83, I got a real black and white ringing TV, and I'm sitting there, and 
Greg Lover to Springsteen was coming on at 5 a.m., but I had a hard time getting up. I set my alarm. I kept hitting the snoozer. I kept hitting the snoozer. And I wanted to see that movie so bad ever since 1971 when I saw it in the pages of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. Like I said, me and my friend Don Stillwell Jr., the son of the architect that designed Maine South and Maine North, which was later used in the Breakfast Club. And I didn't, he wasn't my buddy because of that. I wasn't looking for somebody famous to be my buddy. I'm not like that. If I like somebody, they're my friend. They don't have to be famous. They don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or their dad doesn't have to be the mayor. I'm not, I'm not like that. I don't, I don't kiss up to people to uh, try and make friends with sons and daughters of people that were famous. I, I, I like people if I like them as a person. If they're friendly, I like them. I don't care. I don't care if they're poor. I don't care what nationality they are. I don't care what religion they are. I don't care whether they're black, white, Mexican, Spanish. If they're nice, I like them. And I, I'm, I, I like to be friendly to everybody, man. I mean, I got people from all different races that are my friends. You know, really, we're all part of the same race. We're part of the human race. Well, we are the humans, like in Robot Monster. You are a human. Yep. I am a Roman. I will rid this earth planet of humans. You know, you earthling, are you friends of David Roth Nelson? You're not? Then you must be destroyed. I say that in Demon Monster from Outer Space. I'm like, my that's my favorite of all my movies, Demon Monster from Outer Space. I'm bringing uh, like at least three copies with me, with like four copies of Pumpkin Man, like three copies of Frankenstein Stalks. I'm bringing two copies of Volume 2 with uh, Werewolf vs. Dracula on it. That was one of my first, my first movie, Frankenstein vs. Sodom Insane. I'm bringing a copy of that. I'm, two, I'm bringing two copies of Volume 1 with Frankenstein vs. Sodom Insane. I did that uh, sort of to get back at Sodom, but it's a comedy. He only battles monsters. He, and, uh, he does battle George Bush Sr. My dad played Bush with a over-the-head plastic Bush Sr. mask in, in my front lawn. And when we were filming that back in 91, in front of our house, 93, 90, 91, this little girl and her dad were going around the block. And your little girl, she got a tricycle, you know, a little, uh, two wheels. She got the extra wheels on her bicycle, and her dad's going around, walking around the, uh, the block with her. They live down the street from us, and they're watching me. We had an audience of two watching G.W. <laughs> Bush beat the snot out of Sodom and saying, I play Sodom. I go, come on, Bush. I'll show you who's the real champ. I was the Golden Gloves champ in Iraq and in Baghdad. I will show you who's the real chump. And then I go, come on, put your dukes up. And then huh, huh, and I'm, I'm talking like Sodom and saying, I got over the head Sodom and saying mask with a big nose. It, it's hilarious. Um, I was going through a drive through when we were paying our, our money on the tollway. Uh, I put the mask on and my buddy was driving and I had the Sodom and saying mask I brought for nine bucks. And she says, oh, look at that handsome man. She thought I looked handsome with that mask on. But it's kind of comical. It's got a big nose, you know. It's like a funny looking mask. Anyway. This is a comedy. It's like a monster comedy. And so uh, the little girl and her dad were watching when I was filming back in 91. On, veteran, on uh, Veterans Day, 91, November 10th, November 11th, 91, which is the day after the Marine Corps birthday, by the way. Marine Corps birthday is November 10th. Veterans Day is November 11th. So, uh, she, and she, they're, they're watching, and all of a sudden you hear, you hear them laughing when Bush beats the snot out of Sodom, and you hear them laughing. And the little girl comes up to me one day. She was driving around the block. She says, Mr. Nelson, she's looking up at me, a little four-year-old kid. She looks up at me. He's only maybe three feet high, two, three, two and a half foot tall. She looks at Mr. Nelson, is that going to be on TV? And I said, nah, I don't think so, but but they'll probably be mentioned in a magazine, you know, get, you know, be in a magazine, you know, they might get mentioned. She goes, oh, okay. So, <laughs> I can go back there and visit them and 
Tell them I'm going to be at WGN on Halloween. WGN Morning News this Halloween, October 31st. Live from Chicago, if you get WGN Morning News from the Chicago studios, home of Creature Features, home of the Bozo Show, I'm going to be on October 31st. That's a Monday, Halloween morning. This is my big 26th annual Halloween appearance since 97. I've been on that show every year since 97. Why? Because I wrote them three times a year for three and a half years, and I wrote Fox 32 like a couple times a year. But uh, Fox 32 put me on first, Bob Surratt, who's WGN Radio Bob Chirac, great guy. He He's the first one to put me on national TV back in 94. He showed a clip of Conrad Brooks versus the werewolf when I finished it. I sent him a video, video clips of it, and he showed like a two-and-a-half-minute clip. And he says, yeah, that's Dave Rock Nelson from Chicago. And then, then he showed a clip of Mummy 1993 about a year later. And um, and uh, when the mummy pushes my girlfriend down, you know, she has uh, shorts on. He pushes her on the ground. She lands on her on her. On her Tush, <laughs> Glutimus Maximus, <laughs> not Maximus, not Maximus Aurelius. That's the name of the Gladiator, Russell Crowe, in that 2000 film, The Gladiator. The Gladiator movie I was an extra in was the one in 91 about boxing. That was the one with Brian Dennehy, Cuba Gooding Jr., um, um, you know, and guys like that. You know, James Marshall and the guys like that. And also, um, who's that guy to play THK? Robert Loggia. Robert Loggia was in it. I met him. I got my picture taken with Robert Loggia. And a nice guy because he played T.H.E. Cat in that spy series in the 1960s. We used to watch that. I came up and I said, I said, I liked you in, uh, in, in, um, in, um, you know, T.H.E. Cat. You know, he just, Tom Hewitt, Edward, Cat. He's had it climbed up the walls like a head. It was kind of like Honey West. Honey West came on later. She was like a female, uh, spy, but, uh, you know, filmed around the same era, the same, in the early 60s. But uh, you can see clips of that on YouTube. T-H-E cat, Robert Loja. Anyway, but I met him, got my picture with him. And uh, so I got paid like 80 bucks a day to be an extra. And then I was an extra in the Groundhog Day, 93. You can see me. I'm wearing a top hat. I'm right behind the tree stump in like five scenes. You're, there's a short guy right behind the tree stump sticking his head up. No, I wasn't wearing my glasses. I was a little heavier. I was like 180 then. Now I'm like 160, 65. But uh, I'm waving. I got a big top hat like comes down I'm, it's pushing down on my ears because the hat's kind of big for my head and i'm smiling i'm waving and you see me like five scenes of that movie i got paid uh 80 65 minimum but i was there like 14 sometimes 14 to 15 hours a day one time i was there 16 hours i got made like 135 bucks in one day with the overtime one day they made a mistake and they gave me an extra like 30 bucks and they paid us 106 they paid me and the other overtime guys 165 bucks but see, I was a specialty extra, so I got a bump. So I got paid more than the other extras. The other, they were just regular. I was a specialty extra because I was one of the guys with the top hat on. We got paid more than the other extras. They were just in the crowd. So uh, I made 165 in one stinking day. Yeah, that's like selling. That's like selling six DVD. That's like selling uh, say about eight DVDs. Um, but of course, but you know, I can sell that many in a day at Monster Bash. I, I sold more than that in a day. I sold over, I sold like 10, 14 DVDs in one day. One guy bought nine of my DVDs. Uh, the guy that last Monster Bash, he, he bought all the ones I had. He, he said, I want to buy a copy of each one you got. But he gave me a 200 bucks cashola, you know? So, you know, when I got back home, I showed it off to my girlfriend, and we went out celebrating. And we, I saw butter, bacon, and eggs at the Niles Grill in Niles, Illinois, over there by Golf Mill Mall. That's where I meet her there. Someone said, well, for uh, Gloria Jeans inside the Golf Mill Mall, we go to Gloria Jeans about once a week. And then uh, 
I had fire breakfast about once every couple of months there, there in uh, Niles Grill, which is right near the mall. And uh, right. yeah, that, so ask them. Oh, anyway, okay. One right. more thing before you say what? I was gonna say. I gotta say one more thing. I gotta say one more thing before. Go when for I was it. home on break, wait. When I was home on break from Bible college in '83, I was watching Dracula versus Frankenstein at 5:30. I finally got up after I pressed the snoozer a bunch of times. I finally got up. And I turned on TV at 5.30, about a half an hour the movie was gone. Uh, I, I missed the first half hour. I'm sitting there on my knees on the wooden floor. I'm stretched out. My elbows are propping my head up. I'm watching on a rinky-dink black-and-white, 12-inch black-and-white TV. I'm watching Dracula versus Frankenstein. So a great movie. The first time I saw it. So when I get back to Bible college, they have what's called chapel service every day. And they want to hear what you did during, during your break. And I stood up, whole student body there, like 700, 600 students. Most of the faculty there, our teachers, the chancellor, the president, our, you know, they're all there. Um, and, and I stand up and I say, they don't want to hear what I did for the, you know, if I invited anybody to church or, you know, what I did at the church, any good things. I stood up and I said, oh, I saw a really cool movie on TV. I saw Dracula versus Frankenstein on TV. And, and I, I stood up and I said it loud and clear. The whole student, they, they, people were laughing. And they, you heard a lot of laughing. And my wrestling coach, Ben Peterson, who was Olympic gold medal 72, he was my wrestling I, I took four years of varsity wrestling there. I was the varsity, uh, you know, one, uh, 126. And then I, and each year I went up in weight. I was 140, 34 next year because I was lifting weights and eating good. So I bulked up like eight pounds a year by lifting weights and eating good and drinking the all-natural pro- milk and egg protein powder. You know, Joe Wider, Bob Hoffman, gain weight drink, you know. But I worked out hard and I ate good. I drank a lot of milk. And I that's why I uh, built, I gained like eight pounds of natural weight, no steroids. That's why I'm strong this day, no steroids. I'm all natural. But anyway, I told them that I saw Joe vs. Frankenstein on TV. So I, I know Zonda Vorka is going to love that story. You know, because he's the star of that. He's Dracula, you know. So um, I'm going to meet him in my special. I'm going to tell him that story. I'm going to tell it to the crowd when I'm talking, doing my my rock talk, my annual rock talk at Monster Bash. And they show a preview of my Miss Frankenstein. I got like an eight-minute preview. And I'm probably going to talk about a half hour. They usually let me talk late night for like a half hour to the audience. And then, uh, so, you know, see me do my rock talk at Monster Bash and show my preview of Miss Frankenstein. Forey Ackerman is in a scene. Forey Ackerman is in a cameo. And so is um, a few other people. Well, go ahead. Well, what do you want to say? Well, I was going to say, Rock, to tell everybody that you, you basically told them you're going to be at the bash. You're going to have fun. Everybody's going to have fun. Yeah. People can't come to the bash. They can follow you, as you said, on your Facebook page, David The Rock yeah. Nelson. And they can see yeah. when you're going to be on, uh, like October 31st and that kind of stuff at different places. Yeah, and WGN Morning News live from Chicago and WGN TV live from Chicago, WGN Studios, home of Bozo, home of 60s Creature Features. Now, if you don't get that out there, you know, they're going to put it on their website right after the show. So you can see it on their WGN TV, not WGN.com, WGN TV.com, WGN TV.com. And they have, they have links to some of my videos at their website now. So if you go to their website and type Dave Rock Nelson, you'll, you'll see mentions of me. They took down a lot of my old videos, though, because they say they're outdated. But they'll, they'll probably put them back up again. But they got well, a couple of mine on YouTube. Uh, some of my WGN, my first WGN interview was on YouTube, thanks to this one buddy of mine. Uh, um, yeah, thanks to my good, good pal Stratham, Stratham out there in California. Stratham, Stratham Taylor, good guy who uh, did a documentary on me called David Rock Nelson, the Ed Wood of the 21st Century on DVD. Ordered from him. It's on a double bill with one of my movies. Yeah, 
Stephen Taylor, great guy. Yeah, yeah, he's on Facebook. And uh, you've ever heard of November Fire Entertainment? He did a documentary called David Rock Nelson, The Ed Wood of the 21st Century. It's a documentary DVD on me. You can get it from him at November Fire. But I don't get any residuals from that because I already got paid for that. I already got paid. He, he already paid me a, a flat fee for that. So, but if you want to get that document, but um, anyway, but um, but buy my movies from me. My movies are available straight from me. If you have questions, contact me on Facebook. Send me a message at David Rock Nelson. And I got uh, David Rock Nelson. Fiend me on Facebook. Send me a fiend request and become my friend. And uh, if you have any questions, send me an email and I'll tell you how to order my movies. But uh, my movies are available only from me. I'm my own distributor. So uh, you got to get them from me. You're not going to get them on Amazon. You might get an old bootleg copy of a VHS and pay like this one guy's charging 127 bucks for a VHS of Conrad versus the Werewolf. I didn't, that's not me. Some guy is duplicating it and selling them on VHS for over like 125 bucks. Don't do it. Don't be a sucker. That's a bad copy. That's a generation of a generation. It doesn't include the extras. When you get the DVD from me, you get it direct from the master video. I got a nice clear copy and you get the extras. You get the bloopers. You get previews. Uh, the Brooks Brothers talking and it's Great picture quality, direct from the master, okay? And I do with a DVD recorder at the master, but it's, don't get the VHS to 125 bucks. That guy's ripping you off, and that's a fake autograph because Conrad ain't around to sign those anymore. It, 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 I would never charge that much for a video anyway. If, if I was selling a, a video, the most I would charge would be like 30 bucks just because they're hard to find. 30 bucks I, of, of one of my movies. That's what I would charge because videos are hard to come by now, you know, because... DVD is easier to make, but the thing is, um, I would never charge a hundred bucks for anybody for a video. That's ridiculous. The and guy, everybody should. If anybody, if anybody tells you that that's an original video for hundred twenty bucks or whatever on the internet or something on a website, don't buy it. That's not me. I have nothing to do with that. Those guys don't pay me nothing. They don't even tell me their name. They're, they're cowards. They won't tell me their name, and they're trying to make secret money off my movie and not paying me anything, you know? Amen, brother. I should at least get something. I mean, you know, whatever's fair. Like like Ben Creature Chapman, I told him that, um, I said, well, is it okay if I put you in my movie? Uh, what, how much do I got to pay you? He goes, well, whatever's fair, uh, 10%, 5%. He goes, whatever's fair. See, Ben Chapman, a good guy, he knew that I was a struggling filmmaker. He said, I asked him if I could put in a movie if I had to pay him anything. So basically, I didn't have to pay him anything. You know, he's a nice guy. He was just joking around with me. Ah, whatever's fair. So see, that's the way I feel. If someone distributes my movie, you know, give me my share. You know, like, you don't have to give me 50% because they're the ones that are making the copies. You know, maybe give me like 30%, you know. Because the guys that are distributing it and making the copies, they have to pay to make those copies, and they're the ones that are selling it, uh, making it. So it costs money to run those off. So I understand that. And we can both make money. I don't mind someone distributing my movie as long as they pay me a percentage, a, a, a fair percentage. You know, uh, you know, 30%, 12, 25, 30%, you know, because – they're the ones that have to pay to make those things, to make the copies. And they have to put the cover on and they have to send it to the people. It's better posted. So I figure if I get like around 30, 25, 30%, I think that's pretty good. Just give me that percentage of every sale. I'll be happy, you know, and then they can, you can disturb my movie if you do that, but go ahead. 
I was going to say. But other than that, I'm the lone distributor for all my movies, and uh, you got to buy them through me, David Rock Nelson, and uh, you can get a an, an order. There's an order form at Psychotronic.info. That's my friends at the Psychotronic Film Society of Chicago. They uh, they got a link on their website page. It's uh, the David Rock Nelson video order form. You can just do a search on Yahoo, David Rock Nelson video order form. It says video, but it's only DVDs. I don't sell them on VHS anymore. I only sell them on DVD. So don't be tricked by the video order form. It says video, but it really means DVD. Uh, David Nelson video order form. You can get all my movies on DVD. It's got a list of most of them. The list isn't complete, but it's got most of them listed. Uh, I've got new movies I've made since. I've made like five or six movies since that time. So, you know, I make like one every couple of years. What, what do you want to tell me? I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to join oh, you yeah. on the show to talk about um, your, your your stuff that's going on and to let people know that the Monster Bash is coming up again the 14th for the 16th. Come see, yeah, you can, you, like, see all the people like we talked about and come enjoy it. And yeah, and you, you again. Yeah, I just want to thank you for thank you for promoting me, man. I mean, hey, it's worth it. I mean, I pour my heart out for these interviews, you know. And the thing is, I want to tell the people out there, you can do it. You can do whatever you want. And I want to tell you, I'm bringing God into this because the Bible says that God is the God of the impossible. The things that man says is impossible, God, God can do. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing shall be impossible with God. That's in the Book of Luke. It's in Luke chapter one. Uh, I think it's verse thirty-seven. I think it's verse 37 of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. But it's in several places in the Gospel it's, and, and in the Bible. I mean, and there's you read Psalms, you know, where David is talking about how, you know, God can do anything. God can do wonders. God can do miracles. He can do whatever he wants, and he can use whoever he chooses. You know what? God can use you. You might be little. I'm not saying you. You're a big stock. You're a big, strong guy. But, I mean, you know, you're stocky. But the thing is, uh, and you're healthy. You look like you're in good shape. You're a healthy person. But I'm saying there's a lot of people out there that may be small or they feel inadequate or they think they're too fat or they think they're too too weak. And they go, man, you know, I don't have muscles like David the Rock. So what? You're you. Be you. Be the best you you can be. And um, remember that God loves you and God can use you. You specifically. You are important to God. Whoever you are out there, if you're depressed, if your girlfriend just left you, your value is not based on what your past girlfriend thinks of you or what other people think of you or what other people say of you. That it matters what God thinks of you and God loves you, man. God made you. So, I mean, you can be somebody, whatever it is you like to do. I chose monster movie making because I like that because I enjoy it. And, and, and I have fun with it. And I like, I like thinking, I like, I always want to make monster movies since I've been a kid. I, I like to, I, I bring God into too because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. I'd be dead right now. I almost got killed in the Marines. I almost got, I almost got run over by a Jeep. Uh, I almost drowned when I was five years old over at Van Bannocken Lake in uh, Michigan, in Rockford, Mich- Hartford, Michigan. Hartford, Michigan. Rockford is in Illinois. Rockford, Hartford, Michigan, Lake Bannocken Lake. Lake Van Auken, we would vacation every year when I was a kid, and I was uh, fishing off the end of the pier because this one kid would put his feet over the edge of the halfway over the pier, and so I thought, hey, maybe I'll catch a lot of fish too if I fish like him. Then I was all alone. I, so I put my feet like halfway over the edge of the pier. Wait, I'll tell you something. I put my foot halfway over the pier so my arches of my feet were like at the edge of the at the edge of the pier, right? Because this buddy of mine was fishing like that, and he would catch a lot of fish. I thought, well, maybe if I do that, and I was all alone. And guess what? I slipped and fell in the water. I didn't know how to swim, and I was drowning. I was like underwater. I'm getting water up my nose, and 
a 20-year-old guy or 18-year-old man saw me. He jumps in the water and saves my life. He pulls me out. I got water up my nose. I would have drowned if he hadn't been there. I, I wouldn't be here. I would have died at five years old. And then you just see a little great little Davey Nelson. And I never would have made movies. My mom heard what happened. She's running across from our little cottage. We were running out. And I'm running. Oh, mom, mom. And she's crying and hugging me. Water up my nose, man. And so I learned how to swim in the Marines, thank God. Boot camp required you to learn how to swim. Thank God I, 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 I floated on my back. I did two and a half laps on my back in the, because uh, Lance Corporal Kinchin, uh, Lance Corporal Kinchin, an African-American man, taught me how to swim. He stayed in the pool with me. God bless him wherever he is. Lance Corporal Kinchin teaching me how to float on my back, and he was right there in case I sunk. He was there. But I did two laps on my own, two and a half laps on my own on my back flapping on my back so uh you know swimming on my back i stayed afloat for two and a half that's pretty good so uh you know thank god and uh, i jumped off a 20-foot tower in the marine we all recovered jump off a 20-foot tower in our full uniform with our combat boots on combat uniform jump off a 20-foot tower into like into the pool and i did that too man but it I was scary but once i landed in the water i was floating you know and uh you know, the water was deep there, so you didn't get hurt. You know, it was a deep, deep, deep end of the pool, 20 foot deep. So, uh, yeah, I did a lot of cool stuff in the Marines. Yeah, man. Oh, I, okay, I'll, I'm going to But I, I wouldn't want to join now because of the war going on. I, I wouldn't join now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't inc- Rock, but the Marine Corps Rock, made me into Rock, a man. Rock. I quit the Marine Corps for teaching me to be a man and not to quit. The Marine Corps taught me character not to quit. Thank God for Staff Sergeant Hoskins. He said, he said, Nelson, you know what I think about you? And I said, no, sir. He says, I think you're weird. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir. One, sir. Two, sir. Aye, aye, sir. He said, never mind that, Nelson. Just get out of my face. <laughs> that, that, you know, God bless him. I graduated and I made the high platoon PFT there thanks to Don Hoskins because he pushed me. He brought the best out of me. And he he would push me in the physical fitness. He made me water guy. I had to carry the canteen of water, a fifteen uh, fifteen pounds extra. I carried it. I was the water guy in all our runs, and that helped build up my skinny legs. And so, I did a, three miles in twenty minutes and thirty seconds. So I I I, I beat this guy by two points. We, it was like a battle between who was the top physical fitness, and I beat him by because I did two more sit ups than him. I did eighty sit ups. He did seventy eight. I beat him by two sit ups in two minutes and a. I scored a uh, 283 score out of a possible 300 on the PFT, physical fitness. And I was the high man in our platoon. And Staff Sergeant Hoskins, the one that said, I think you're weird. He gave me the award for platoon high fitness in PF physical fitness. And our platoon on the last day on graduation day, that was uh, October 5th, 1976, which was the same day as Elvis, Pe- Elvis Pelvis, Elvis Presley performing at Chicago Theater. And uh, right after I graduated, I took a train to Chicago in my full Marine dress, green uniform, and I met my parents, and I watched Elvis perform live the day I graduated. October 5th, 76, I saw Elvis Pelvis perform live on stage at Chicago, the Chicago Stadium. Chicago Stadium in Chicago. Yeah, so, you know, it was a big day for me, graduation day. Oh, and by the way, one more thing. October 23rd, 91 was the day I started making monster movies. That's only 13 days after this podcast. Yes. October 13 days. As you said, it's going to be uh, October 10th, right? Correct. My, I, my October 23rd, this October 23rd is my big 31st anniversary of when I started filming my first monster movie on video 
Frankenstein versus Sodom Insane at, at an old abandoned house in the historical district of Chicago. It's a uh, 19th South 19th Street in Prairie, right in the corner. There's a big red house there, a haunted house. It used to be haunted, by the way. I found out later it was actually haunted by ghosts. Dead. That's what they said. WGN was there interviewing people. And that's where I filmed my first movie. I didn't know the place was haunted. I just filmed there because it looked spooky and it was abandoned. So I, I used that as a backdrop for my movie. Um, okay, I'm going to shut up. Gonna what, say, what do you want to say? I was going to say thanks again for being on the show and um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and hope everybody seeks you out and hope everybody gets to see you at Monster Bash or um, um, looks you up on YouTube and Facebook and all that fun stuff. So thanks yeah, again. Yeah, buy my, buy my stinking movies. I need your money and you need my movies. They're great at a party with a room full of people. They're fun, you know, and have your snacks and your java. And today you can watch classic shows on Perry Mason Mysteries tonight at uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. Every Sunday on Meet TV, I watch the Perry Mason Mysteries. I love Perry Mason. I watch them every night at 1030 here, Central Time in Chicago on Meet TV. When I, that's, when I, that's when I have my dinner. I watch Perry every night. My girlfriend watches it at her place. I don't live with her. She watches it at her place. Janet, she plays Vampire Woman, this werewolf, my new dinosaur woman. She she plays Dinosaur Woman and upcoming Psycho Woman, which is a comedy David, slasher. David, it's like, oh, David, what? David, I just need you to say a, a, a goodbye. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so goodbye. Like Bella Dulce says in Devil Bed, goodbye. I'll see you. I want to thank David The Rock Nelson for joining me again. And as you could hear, he's got a lot of enthusiasm, folks. And uh, the interesting thing is, is when you're talking to him before and after the recording, he's a lot different than when you get him once you hit that record button. I think that's when he goes from David Nelson to David The Rock Nelson and gets that hyper energy and gets that uh, enthusiasm flowing. And you just got to love it a person that's going out there and doing what he enjoys doing and has that love for it. And I want to thank David again for joining me on the show. And as you heard, I'll be in one of his movies. I'm in one of his movies now and I'll have to go see it, you know, and see what, see what it looks like to be in one of the rocks movies. Otherwise, I hope everybody has a good day. So looking forward to seeing everybody at the monster bash and um, I'll find a little something to play. Right after this, the legs of the episode. Bye. I think I found something to be perfect to end this episode with. Monster Mash. But just before I play the song, just want to remind everybody, please send feedback to diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a message on our Facebook page. And um, again, let's listen to the song. Have a good day. When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash He did the match It caught on in a flash He did the match He did the monster match From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from their humble abodes To get a jolt from my electrode They did the match They did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash They did the match It caught on in a flash They did the match 
They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. The scene was rocking, all were digging the sounds. Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the monster match. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. They played the match. They played the monster mash. Out from his coffin, Rack's voice did ring. Seemed he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool, Drax a part of the band And my Monster Mash is the hit of the land For you, the living, this mash was meant to When you get to my door, tell them what is sent Then you can mash Then you can Monster Mash The Monster Mash And you, my graveyard smash Then you can mash You'll catch on in a flash Then you can mash Then you can Monster Mash Mash! Easy, Igor, you impetuous young boy. 